Welcome back, Crimeaholics, to another Missing Monday episode. It's your host, Holly, and if you are new to our podcast, welcome. Missing Mondays is a segment that was created to help keep missing persons' name and information in the media the best we can and hopefully help aid in their return home. 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. at any given time, and while some are found alive or deceased, the majority are still missing today. It is our goal and our mission at Crimeaholics to continue to share these cases of the missing no matter how little or how much information is out there. Because at the end of the day, these stories deserve to be told and their names deserve to be remembered. I am completely shocked that we are already in the second half of August. I have absolutely no idea where the time has gone, but the burr months are about to be upon us. And let me tell you, these final months of the year are my absolute favorite. I adore the fall, Halloween, and that transition into all things festive and Christmas. For many people, these final months of the year means family gatherings, holidays spent together, meals shared, and gifts exchanged. But for many other families, these holidays and final months of the year bring a lot of heartache. Today's episode is one that Thanksgiving is a lot harder for one family. Not only do they have Thanksgiving without a loved one, but their loved one actually went missing on Thanksgiving night. Today's Missing Monday case is on the disappearance of Cole Thomas. On July 2nd, 1994, Christopher Cole Thomas, who would go by his middle name of Cole, was born to his parents, Chris and Kathy. He grew up in Live Oak, Florida, and was extremely close with all of his family. Cole was the first grandbaby on both sides of the family, and everyone was thrilled with his arrival. Not only that, but he was also the first boy on his mother Kathy's side of the family, so everyone just doted on Cole and showered him with so much love and attention. Growing up, Cole was described to be an incredible kid. His father tells Marissa Jones, the host of the Vanish podcast, that the only time he ever had to get onto his son Cole was when he didn't pick up after himself. Other than that, Cole was the best child a parent could ever ask for. Cole was extremely smart and wise beyond his years. As a kid, he rarely wanted to hang out with kids his own age, and he was more drawn to hanging out around the adults. He also excelled in school, and doing well in school was something that Cole was very passionate about and something he took very seriously. Before graduating high school, Cole had his Associates of Arts degree from a community college. That is how driven he was with school. He was also the salutorian of his high school graduating class. Prior to graduating high school, Cole was offered academic scholarships from a large handful of colleges, but he decided to attend the University of Florida in Gainesville, Florida. Other than being a genius in school, Cole was known for having a very big heart and was always trying to make people laugh. Anyone who became a friend of Cole's, he would view them as a friend for life and would do anything he could to help them. He also was a very helpful grandson to his grandmother when she went through her chemo treatments. 
she recalled to the Vanish podcast that whatever she needed, Cole was there to help her and he stayed by her side during her treatments and always took the best care of her. When Cole was nine years old, his parents announced to him that he was going to be a big brother and he was so excited. He had hoped for a baby brother, so when they learned that they were expecting another boy, Cole was over the moon with joy. He was the very best big brother to his little brother, Zachary, when he was born. At the age of three, Zachary was diagnosed with autism, and Cole was right there with his mom to help his brother during the various therapies and other appointments that he had to attend. Cole and Zach had a very special bond, and Cole really took the time to be there for his brother and to play with him. It was because of his little brother that Cole took an interest in medicine and becoming a doctor or something within the medical field. Immediately after graduating high school, Cole was enrolled at the University of Florida, and he moved into the dorms and began working towards his four-year degree. He maintained his drive for school and incredible grades, but a few years into college at the University of Florida, it seemed like Cole was getting kind of burnt out and tired of school. His mom said that he didn't seem to keep the same focus on school that he once had. She's unsure if it's because he was working two jobs while still trying to maintain school or if it was because he was hanging around some older people who were making a significant amount of money more than he was and maybe he was impressed by that. But Cole told his family that he wanted to go to work and that he wanted to learn a trade. Despite his family being disappointed in his desire to quit school, they tried to support him with what he wanted. He assured his family that this was just a temporary thing and that he would pick up school where he left off before they knew it. And I have to say that I can kind of understand where Cole was coming from. This kid put a lot on his plate to go to college and started the college process in the ninth grade. He felt a lot of pressure with maintaining his grades, maintaining his college courses, and working two jobs. One of his jobs was working security at a nightclub, and the other was working at a nutrition store in the mall. And though he was attending college on a scholarship, he didn't want his family having to provide for him at all, which is why he worked two jobs. Cole's grades began to slip, and this is when he decided for sure to put school on hold. At 22 years old and just a few months shy of graduating, Cole officially left school and began doing some electrical work with a guy that he knew. Cole started working various construction jobs that took him all over the country doing remodel jobs at different businesses. He then started working with a man named Stephen Worley. In between jobs, Cole often would come home and stay with family before he would leave again on another job. Towards the end of October, Cole asked his family if he could come home before he was due for his next job in November in Minnesota. Cole spent the weekend with his family before his father, Chris, took him to a gas station to meet up with Stephen Worley so the two could go to Minnesota for their next job. While meeting up with Stephen, Cole's father, Chris, was able to meet Stephen, and he had assured Chris that Cole was safe with him and that he'd watch over him. Now, this Stephen Worley at this point was someone that Cole had worked with for around six months or so. 
And while he never expressed anything to his father, Cole did, however, confide in his mother, Kathy, about his feelings towards Stephen. Cole often felt that Stephen would use him and told his mother that he didn't like the way Stephen did him. But Cole was trying to learn the trade and told his mom as soon as he figured out the job that he wouldn't need Stephen anymore. Cole told his father goodbye and he and Stephen headed to Minnesota. What Chris didn't realize was that would be the last time that he ever saw his son again. While in Minnesota working a job that was supposed to be several months long, Cole became acquainted with a few other men on the crew named Jeremy Carpenter and Julian Velez. One thing I couldn't find anywhere is whether Stephen had known Jeremy or Julian prior to beginning working together on this project, but working together for a few weeks on end, everyone became very familiar with each other. On the weekend of Thanksgiving, Sunday, November 28th, 2016, Chris was returning home from the parts store when he pulled into his driveway and found his wife and other extended families standing in the yard. And he instantly knew by the way that they were standing and just the looks of them that there was something that was wrong. His wife was on the phone and he was told that she was on the phone with a police department in North Carolina and that Cole was missing. Instantly, Chris jumped on Facebook and found Stephen Worley and sent him a message and told him to call him ASAP. Within two minutes, his phone was ringing and Stephen was on the other end. Stephen claimed that he had been trying to contact Chris for two days, but he didn't know how to get a hold of him. And Chris straight up told him that he didn't believe that he tried because if he had, he would have been able to find him on his son's Facebook page listed as his father. Stephen was adamant that he tried to contact him and he even contacted the police department where they lived trying to get a hold of him. Chris asked Stephen what had happened and he said he thinks they killed Cole. Chris asked who and Stephen told him that Cole had driven two guys down to North Carolina and that he thought that they were going to go and pick up drugs. Stephen went on to tell Chris that he thinks that the guys thought that Cole was a cop or maybe Cole just freaked out and they killed him. Stephen was adamant and kept saying that those guys, those two guys he went to North Carolina with, killed him. As soon as he was off the phone with Stephen, he and his wife Kathy packed their bags and headed to North Carolina to begin the search for their son. Unfortunately, what was normally an eight-hour drive took Cole's parents 13 hours due to holiday traffic. And I just want to say what an agonizing 13 hours that had to have been to be stuck in bumper-to-bumper holiday traffic knowing that your son was missing. I am sure that was the longest 13 hours of their lives and my heart aches for them knowing that they had to go through that. First thing Monday morning, Chris and Kathy arrived at the police station to begin trying to piece together what happened to their son. They found out that Cole had been missing since the night of Thanksgiving, which was November 25th, 2016. Chris told the detective everything that Stephen had told him about Jeremy and Julian and how Stephen was sure that they had killed him over drugs. I want to briefly mention here that drugs was something that Cole had experimented with while in college, like I think many college-age people do, but he was not a regular user of drugs, and this was something that he did confide in both of his parents, and they were aware that he had experimented and dabbled a little bit in doing some drugs. 
And so for him being on what Stephen was calling a drug run was pretty surprising for his family to hear. The detective began calling the guys that Cole had traveled with and was able to get one of them on the phone, and the two were still together at this point. Julian told the detective that Cole had been driving the car, pulled over and jumped out of the car with the keys and ran off in the middle of a panic attack. And he said that after he ran off, they never saw him again. That was the first story that they told, and it wouldn't be the last. So the detective begins to pry a little bit more and asks Julian what they were doing in North Carolina if they were working in Minnesota. And he told them that they were down there for a family Thanksgiving dinner. And the detective asked him, quote, are you sure there wasn't any drugs involved? The story that Julian gave kept changing. The detective would talk to him for a bit, and then they would get off the phone, and then the detective would call him back. And it seems like every single time he got Julian on the phone, his story changed a little bit more. But every time he would get to the part about Cole getting out of the car, it was always that Cole got out of the car and walked off completely by himself. As the Benson Police Department were working behind the scenes to piece together the story of what happened to Cole, the Thomas family was determined to do their own searches for Cole and decided that they weren't going to leave town until they had some answers. Chris and Kathy brought up their travel trailer from Florida to North Carolina and that is where they lived for two to three months doing everything they could to search for their son. Every single day they were out searching for him. Once more, while his family was searching, the authorities were working to try and piece together what happened and get some truth out of Julian and Jeremy. Eventually, they told authorities that they did get out of the car to go look for Cole, and it was Jeremy who found him and told him to come back to the car, that it was cold outside, and he just needed to get back in the car. Allegedly, Cole told Jeremy that he would be right there, but he never came back to the car. So little by little, the story was changing, and authorities knew that they were hiding something, so they began working to try and find evidence to support or debunk their stories. Investigators were able to get surveillance footage from the area, and they were able to get pictures of Cole and Jeremy walking away together from the car. When authorities told Jeremy that they knew he was lying about only Cole getting out of the car, Jeremy changed his story once more. This time, he said that he walked off with Cole to try and calm him down because he was nervous. The story, though, was still not adding up or making any kind of sense. Chris decided that he wanted to try and put the pressure on Jeremy himself. He felt that maybe if the police weren't involved, that maybe Jeremy would be more forthcoming about what exactly went down. So he began calling Jeremy's phone like crazy. Call after call, Jeremy never picked up. Finally, Chris's sister-in-law sends Jeremy a message, and he replies telling her that he is trying to get the courage to call Cole's dad back. She tells him that Chris just wants to talk, and eventually the two make contact. So Chris begins asking him all sorts of questions, and he knows that the guys had said they went to a guy named Rudy's house, and this is where they went to go and buy these drugs. Jeremy tells Chris that they went to this house, but he couldn't tell him exactly where this house was, but he kept telling him that they were bad people that lived there. 
it comes out that allegedly Julian had this whole thing set up where they were going to go to this house to pick up an ounce of dope. Julian and Jeremy talked Cole into driving because Jeremy didn't have a driver's license and Julian's license had been suspended. Chris asked if there was any kind of confrontation that took place while Cole was at Rudy's house and Jeremy said no, that he and Cole just sat on the couch and that Cole really didn't say a whole lot while they were there. Once Julian got this ounce of dope, both Jeremy and Cole were telling him that they needed to get going so they can get back on the road for work. Julian kept telling them to hang on, that he was waiting on something. According to Jeremy, while they were at the house, the Dallas Cowboy Thanksgiving football game was on, and apparently they were all watching it because the guys at the house were big fans of the Cowboys. But Jeremy told Chris that he and Cole felt really intimidated hanging out at this house because there were several other guys there who were armed with guns and speaking in another language. After four to five hours at the house, it seemed like tension was building and Julian, Jeremy, and Cole all left. Cole was under the impression that they were going to swing in somewhere for food and then head back to Minnesota. But according to what Jeremy told Chris, Cole thought they were being followed on their drive. While driving, Cole would pull over to the side of the road and they would see another car about a half mile back also pull over. So this caused Cole to panic and began driving down several different unfamiliar roads. Come to find out, the reason why Julian kept telling Cole and Jeremy that they couldn't leave yet and that he was waiting for something was because he was waiting on more dope to arrive and he ended up leaving the house with more than just an ounce that they had originally gone for. Jeremy tells Chris that while they were driving down the road, he reached into the back of the car, threw the dope out the window because he was worried about the law or someone else being the ones that were following them. Chris at this point stops Jeremy and is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean you're the one that threw the dope out the window? Why are you still alive and my son is missing? Which Jeremy just kept saying, Mr. Thomas, I don't know, I don't know. And he continues on to tell Cole's father that they pulled into Benson, North Carolina, and Cole was visibly nervous. His hands were shaking and he just kept saying that he didn't want to be any part of this shit. So he pulls over and gets out of the car. Jeremy says he follows him out trying to calm him down and at this point they're in a neighborhood area walking around in the early morning hours and he says that they walk up on a church and Cole tells Jeremy that he needs to go pee so Cole rounds the side of the church to relieve himself. Jeremy claims he walks to the back of the church and decides at that point to get down on hands and knees and begin to pray and that he was down there in prayer for about 10 minutes. He then says he's finishing his 10 minutes of prayer. He gets up and he hears a car door shut. And in his mind, he assumes that maybe it was someone getting ready to leave for work. But this is in the way early morning hours. He then allegedly begins to call out Cole's name, looking for him, but got no reply. And he never heard from him again. According to the Vanish podcast, Cole's instincts about being followed were correct. Rudy and a man named TJ and a guy who went by the nickname of Gordo and some other men had been following Cole, Julian, and Jeremy into Benson, North Carolina. 
Julian had apparently tipped the guys off on their location, and while at the church, Cole was forced into their car and allegedly taken to another location where he was murdered. Chris continues to try and get as much information from Jeremy that he could. Jeremy had stated that after he couldn't find Cole and he heard that car door slam, he started to walk towards a McDonald's because he was in need of some water. Jeremy claimed that while walking towards that McDonald's, he heard two gunshots. And this story about Jeremy going to the McDonald's was confirmed through surveillance. He then began to walk back towards where the car was parked and ran into Julian. They were able to determine that some of the story that Jeremy told Chris was either not true or only half-truths, but they did learn that Julian had Cole's phone after he was allegedly kidnapped and that the phone had made it back to Minnesota with Julian and Jeremy. They were able to track the movements of Cole's phone all around Benson and back to Rudy's house after he had gone missing. The phone would be turned off sometime around 4 a.m. and then would later be turned back on around 9 a.m. that morning. When the phone was turned back on, both Jeremy and Julian began to call the phone. It is believed that the reason for trying to call Cole's phone was so that they could gain access into his phone because it had a passcode. They think that they were trying to get into the phone to try and see if there was anything in there that needed to be deleted that would incriminate them. Later in the day, the phone was turned back on once more at Rudy's residence. It is fully believed that Cole was murdered, and though they do not know the motive for killing him, it is believed that it was because Rudy and the others thought that Cole was either an undercover police officer or an informant. Allegedly, they reported Cole missing that night that he was taken. They told the Benson Police Department that Cole ran off. Authorities did a quick search of the area and they saw nobody. Because Cole took the keys with him for his car, Rudy had come to pick up Jeremy and Julian because they had no other ride. They gave the authorities their number in case they found Cole so that they could have Cole call them. There is so much to this story that I think has yet to be uncovered, and with no physical evidence, it's hard to really know what went down and how. But it's believed that Cole was just somehow at the wrong place at the wrong time, and that this goes a lot deeper than they've yet to figure out. It is believed that Julian somehow owed money to Rudy for drugs, and that Rudy wanted his drugs back that Jeremy had thrown out the window. It is uncertain if the story about Cole being kidnapped is true or if maybe he was with Julian and Jeremy again at Rudy's at some point. There just is so many questions left unanswered. NBC News reported in July of 2017 that four individuals were arrested in connection to Cole's disappearance. Julian, Jeremy, Rudy, and TJ were all arrested on various charges including felony concealment of a death and felony obstruction of justice. In September of 2019, the charges against all four men were dropped, but at a memorial for Cole that took place, private investigator David Marshburn said that though the charges were dropped, the four men who were previously arrested in connection to this case were not off the hook. He also stated that he thinks two of the four men were not involved in the death of Cole, but were going to be framed for being part of it. 
However, David Marshburn also believes that at least one of the other two was partially responsible. Marshburn also told Mount Olive Tribune that the main reason why investigators, both private and law enforcement, are having trouble getting anyone to finally speak up about what happened is because they're afraid of the consequences of their actions. He's repeatedly called them cowards and says that they just want Cole's remains back. There is so many questions that remain unanswered, and it is just going to take one person to finally come forward with that final piece of the puzzle. These people with the key answers are scared for their lives and also scared to go to jail for their involvement. I'm hoping that these people can find it within their hearts to come forward and give this family the answers they desperately deserve so that they can recover Cole's remains and give him the proper burial he deserves. 22-year-old Christopher Cole Thomas was last seen during the early morning hours of November 25, 2016, near the intersection of East Morgan Street and North Elm Street in Benson, North Carolina. At the time of his disappearance, Cole was wearing a baseball cap, a blue t-shirt with black long sleeves, and dark colored pants. Cole has brown blonde hair. He has blue eyes and stands at six foot one and weighs 200 pounds. Cole also has a tribal style tattoo on the left side of his chest and shoulder. There is now a $50,000 reward available for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the person or persons responsible for the disappearance of Cole Thomas. Cole's family has also created a Facebook page called Find Cole Thomas that is now over 12,000 followers. I will have that page linked in the description of this episode so everyone can go and follow the page and show the family love and support, and to let them know that Cole is not and will not be forgotten. I also want to wrap this episode up by saying that though there are articles on Cole, there really isn't much in-depth articles out there. The majority of the information in this episode came from interviews that were done by Cole's family with the incredible podcast, The Vanish Podcast. I will also have that episode linked, so if you'd like to listen to those interviews with his parents, you can do so on Marissa's podcast and hear the story in their own words. If you or anyone you know has information on the disappearance of Cole Thomas, you can contact the Benson Police Department at 919-894-2091, or you can call the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation at 919-779-8188. If you're not already a part of our private Facebook group, be sure you join by searching Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group. In there, we share all information and pictures pertaining to the cases that we cover, and we also encourage all of our members to share all things true crime. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at crimeaholics.podcast. And if you'd like more true crime content, you can follow me on TikTok at crimeaholics.podcast. And lastly, if you'd like to follow myself personally and see what I'm doing in life, you can follow me on Instagram at Crimeaholly. Crimeaholics, that is all for this week's Missing Monday. I will be back Friday with another murder case to share. But until then, be aware and take care.